Welcome to the Ripcord Moment, a podcast focused on empowering owners to optimize the outcome of their business succession plan and achieve their perfect landing. For most owners, the majority of their net worth is tied up in their business. And yet many struggle to create a plan that maximizes the value of their business with their personal financial plan. As a seasoned advisor for over 20 years, I help guide owners through the exit planning process with both their personal and professional goals in mind. When it comes to succession planning, there are numerous factors that play a role in passing the reins to the next owner of a business. And in this podcast, we showcase the owners and their team of trusted advisors that have navigated these challenges, structured successful deals, and ultimately achieved their perfect landing. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment. I'm your host, Joe C2. Today, we're joined by Jonathan Boring. He's the CEO and founder of Social Spice Media, a company founded in 2012. They're located in Camarillo, California. And Social Spice Media focuses on leveraging technology, digital communications, and creative marketing solutions to ultimately drive uh, loyalty, client loyalty, sales, and revenue for their clients. Jonathan, welcome to our uh, show today. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Joe. I'm really excited yeah. to be here. So obviously, uh, marketing, social media presence is critical for businesses to grow their uh, their brand, their awareness, their revenue. And if a client's ultimately looking to potentially sell their company, uh, one of the things the acquirer is going to definitely look at is what their social media presence is. So talk to us a little bit uh, about some of the critical things you help your clients with from a high level. Sure, sure. You know, one of the one of the first things that we start off with, we'd like to say is, is uh, your, your website is the cornerstone of all your online marketing. So you want to make sure that your website uh, is in order. So that looks good. It's easy, easy to navigate. Um, you know, and we, we tell our clients too, you know, the things to your website, things change, uh, you know, sometimes phone numbers change, emails change, the person who's checking emails for leads change. And that's one of the first things that we do uh, when we sit down with a new client is we just test everything on their website to make sure contact forms are working. The address is still the same spot. Um, and we find about 30% of the time um, these things have changed or they're getting leads, but the person who's checking the leads is no longer at the company anymore or the phone number changed or something broke on the back end. Because once yeah. you build your website, you never quite look at it again. Well, I mean, 30% strikes me as an incredibly high number, considering that that's like, you know, nowadays, that's the first thing people go to anytime uh, they're, they're either looking for something or recommendations made. It's like, let's go to the hit Google, put in the name and they go to that website. And that's, it seems like a uh, low hanging fruit for owners to shore up. And yet 30%, again, seems like they're not doing it. Why do you think that is? I, I think it's, um, you know, we've been, we've been building it. We started as a social media marketing agency, you know, a decade ago, and then we've grown into a full-blown online marketing agency. And so as we're going through this journey, uh, what I found is even with ourselves is that you spend a lot of time building a website as a business owner. You know, you're making sure the words are correct, the imaging, everything reflects who you are. And you're going to spend probably 90 days working on this. And then when you're done, you don't go back to your website, all your clients do and your potential customers go back, but you're done with it. You know, you're looking at other people's websites and your potential clients and certain. So you, you just, you know, you become the shoemaker's kid, I guess, you know, where you just, right. you're not looking at your own stuff anymore. 
And then somebody will say, hey, you know, your website's been down for three weeks. And, you know, that's probably the worst thing in the world to know that you know, you've been dead in the water for three weeks or certain things aren't sure. working. And you wonder why all of a sudden the sales and the revenue are going down, right? And they never take the time to yeah. think about, well, gee, maybe our, something on our website's causing a jam. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, as I said, it's just simple fixes. And a lot of times we can go in and you can get those things fixed, you know, within a matter of hours and have those things fixed while we're still building a new website. But you just want to make sure all those things are working. Or as I said, it could be just as easy as somebody is not checking, say, the, the lead generation form on the website anymore. That person's gone or they've wasn't written in the, you know, the, the training manual. This is part of the job description. So, yeah. Um, as I said, I just think people, up, they, go ahead. You, you bring up an incredibly good point by saying it needs to be in the, uh, in the training manual, right? That these, these things that maybe people overlook or think are simple or take for granted that they have to be documented and procedurally followed and implemented so that it's a, it's part of the DNA of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I can see it, you know, from my own perspective, you know, when I started, I was a one man band working out of my third bedroom and, and, you know, I knew it all up here in my head. And, yep. you know, now we got, you know, 12, 14 people running around here. And it's like, I, you know, I don't know what each position is supposed to be doing unless we write it down because there's write a lot of down. little detail things that need to be done with each, each little position. Yeah. And there's so, no, not one person can keep it all upstairs anymore. Absolutely. Um, Going back to what you do for clients on this this notion of a website audit, like I, I think you have a standardized process that you end up putting your your clients through. Talk to us a little bit about what that process is uh, and, and how that goes. Yeah, so we we have two audits uh, when people come to us. Uh, the first one we've uh, deemed uh, named the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, just sounded fun and we started internally and now we just branded it as good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what did we do is we go in and we say, this is what you're doing good. Uh, this is what's okay. And then these things are definitely things that need to be fixed on your website. So um, sometimes you, you find that, you know, there's broken links, um, there's missing words. Sometimes things are just disappeared. Um, and so we come through, we run, you know, it can be anywhere from a 15 to 30 page report talking about um, everything that's happening with their website, even where they're ranking on Google. And then we can also do what we call a keyword gap analysis. So if you're trying to figure out what your competitors are ranking for, say on keywords and what you're not ranking for, we can see, and then we can actually build, you know, a pipeline. So that way you can actually start competing with your competitors on the keywords that you're not ranking on. So well, that sounds like an incredibly thorough process, Jonathan. If it's a 15 to 30 page report on the good, the bad and the ugly, I mean, that, that's just a lot of material that you're or a lot of digging and homework that you guys are providing relative to the client's content, coupled with uh, the, this other analytics that you're you're providing. So it sounds like that's pretty, pretty impactful. And I'm assuming there's sort of homework and takeaway that the client needs to then do with it to obviously improve their, their, their website. Do you have a follow-up process with them typically thereafter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically when they're coming to us, they know something's wrong. They just don't know exactly what it is. Um, for instance, we had one client that came to us and he said, um, Hey, we hired a computer guy who said he knew what he was doing and uh, he broke a couple things. So we hired another computer guy who said that he was even better than that guy. And he broke more things. He broke more things. And, yeah. <laughs> He said, so we, we let him go and now we needed to go to somebody who actually hopefully knows what they're doing. Of course, it was a referral. 
And he said, so, you know, can you tell me what's broken and what needs to be fixed? Yeah. And, you know, at that point when you're saying, well, you know, you're, I don't want to get too technical, but, you know, there's alt tags and H1 tags and all these other things that Google looks at. Plus, just if you have broken links on your website and if you're an e-commerce site, all these things don't look good. So, of course, the next um, phase is what do we need to, to correct these things? Um, and then typically it's what do we need to correct it? And then what are the next course of action do we need to take to start driving more traffic to our website? So talking about, let's pivot in the conversation to driving traffic, right? This idea of generating leads through social media, it's a little bit of like a black box thing to, to us lay people. But, you know, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you help clients optimize their, uh, their website, how they're, they're able to generate leads, um, what the secret sauce maybe is. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that's a moving target. Um, I had to give another speech earlier in the year and it was about, you know, marketing trends this year. And I had to rewrite the whole speech just because what we did two years ago, we're pretty much throwing that playbook out the window and coming up with a whole new playbook. Just because social media has changed. Content is coming, uh, becoming more, uh, you know, content is king these days. Google's ranking things. There's Google My Business, which has now changed to Google Business Profile which is now trying to compete with the social media companies that are out there. And um, we actually now rate content. Um, so we can actually see if it's original content and then we can put a score of zero to a hundred based on every page on your website. And we're finding that scores mm -hmm. of over 80% or a score of 80 generates 30% more leads uh, on average than the scores under 80. So it's really looking at what's that? Well, no, it just sounds like now, at least from where I think probably the industry was a couple of years ago, now getting very granular on how to, like you said, score specific content and then link metrics to how that is influencing revenue and the sales uh, process for a business is something that um, you're able to do and help clients really uh, become more aware of and, and thoughtful in. Yeah, absolutely. Because you not only need to look at the content um, and make sure that, you know, it's, it's keyword, key rich, you know, targeted. But what kind of a company are you? Do you need is your content like you guys probably have some pretty buttoned up content. Plus, you know, you have FINRA and all the other things that you have to sure. worry about. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And then you have like the e-commerce sites that want to be a little bit more fun. So you want to make sure that it's good content, but it's written for the audience that's going to be reading the content. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times Google says, you know, write your content at a sixth or seventh grade level, just like a newspaper, because that's what people understand. And uh, like we work with a lot of attorneys and attorneys are wordsmiths and they like to show you how smart they are because they use really big words. But sure. and they spend all that time like in law school, right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, your average person like myself doesn't understand, you know, these big, you know, 25 cent words, you know. Just, just right. tell me what you do in a nice, easy, understand, you know, page. So it's, it's writing for your audience at the end of the day and making sure that they can understand it. Yeah. Now, it's interesting how, you know, technology and now you're talking about with marketing, obviously knowing your audience is sort of rule number one. Um, in terms of the data analytics, I'm, I want to dig into this a little bit more. I mean, what additionally should owners be considering beyond what you shared just a minute ago? Um, uh when they're looking at the data and the analytics? Sure, you know, so as I like to jokingly say, which is half true, is, you know, marketing is just trying different things. It's making educated guesses and trying things. Um, and your analytics is telling you what's actually working, what's not working. Uh, you know, I grew up um, 
my dad was, you know, in marketing and we did a lot of direct mail campaigns. So back then you, you spent, you know, two or three months putting together a direct mail campaign. You mailed it out, you know, to the East coast, you waited two weeks. If they used the promo code when they call back and you got one tenth of 1% of a return, you high fived and said that was a successful campaign. Right. But really know why it was successful. And today, you know, you can, you can write a blog, you can put out an email blast and you can know within probably 24 to 48 hours if it's successful or not. And you can actually change the direction of what you're doing based on the successes uh, that's happening. Or if things aren't happening, you can say, well, we don't want to tackle that anymore. Let's go into these areas. Um, so there's a lot of the, the analytics tell you everything these days, how long people are coming to your site, what they're reading, where they're coming from, males, uh, gender, age. Right. You can see so much on the background of what people people are are, are engaging with you these days. You know, what the site map is, uh, you know, when they hit your homepage, where are they going after that? Why are they going to the next page? You know, and then you lead them on this you know, sales journey, basically, through your website and what you're looking for. And then are you helping? I mean, I would think that for the average middle market business owner that they are, you know, unless you're at a huge company where you've got all kinds of technicians and, and, and uh, professionals looking at this on a regular basis that most owners, because they're so busy doing other things in the business and serving their clients, like they probably don't have a thoughtful structure strategy in place about even what a good outcome would be other than perhaps, you know, uh, direct leads coming in, but the right. other, you know, the other analytics in between that build up to that. So are you helping them with sort of forecasting and setting priorities on, hey, here's a good outcome for this kind of traffic. Like, here's what would be good at this stage along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we go through and yeah, we, we, we look at where they're at and then we can kind of forecast where we think they should be trending. Okay. Um, and then it depends on, you know, sometimes if, if it is a big company and they have an internal team and we're supporting the team, um, and sometimes we are the outsourced team for the company. So it depends yeah. on, a little bit on who we're working for. And a lot of times it's figuring out what their end goal is for their marketing. You know, like Budweiser is going to be institutional marketing, right? They just think sure. about a lot of money to spend and you just want to see Budweiser everywhere. So they don't really yeah. care where it's at. Uh, versus smaller companies who say, you know, we only got a few thousand dollars a month to spend and we need to be very impactful to drive business or drive sales. We need uh, the best bang for the buck there for that one, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we we can start, you know, we've started with, you know, larger companies that say we want to do everything under the sun because we can. And other people that say, you know, look, we've got just a few thousand dollars and, you know, if you can make this successful, we can expand it from there. Yeah. Good. So. If we can, let's pivot the conversation to something that I know you're very well versed in and also, I think, passionate about. And it's something that is becoming more prevalent. And it's this notion of being ADA compliant with your website. Um, you know, why is it something an, an owner should care about? Holy cow. That's a, that's a big question. You know, we, we the laws changed in 2018 to become ADA compliant for websites. It's very similar to when attorneys were coming up and saying, hey, Circle K, your handicap sign is a foot too low and we're going to sue you for $4,000 or whatever it is. Um, and before they needed to have an inspector, maybe somebody coming in with a wheelchair saying that the sink was too low. Now they can run your website through an online tool and find out where your site is not uh, ADA accessible or Americans with disabilities. 
and each infraction is four thousand dollars and a lot of these are troll attorneys there's i think three law firms that were in charge of almost 57 percent of all the lawsuits that were filed last year nationwide um, uh, yeah, but most of them are in California and New York based on the federal laws. Okay. Uh, California has UNRWA, and now we're getting kind of into a legal area, which is not my expertise. Um, but there's, you know, the UNRWA Act and a few other things in New York that make it a lot more prevalent to sue companies for non-compliant websites in those states. And started in 2018, we had people coming to us to make their sites compliant as an insurance policy. And now we're probably getting 10 to 15 calls a week for people who are getting demand letters or being sued. And wow. I know we talked a little bit about this, that last year alone, there was 400,000 demand letters that were sent out. 400,000? Yeah, almost half a million demand letters. And that's supposed to go up another 20% this year. My um, goodness. And these are just shakedowns. Sure. So that certainly is why an owner needs to care, right? And we can imagine that the last thing, if an owner, again, because we're focusing on educating business owners or thinking about some sort of succession event, especially a sale to a third party, that if they get slapped with litigation over something that I'm guessing is a relatively easy fix, hopefully, and you'll tell mm -hmm. us about that, that, um, that that's not the kind of headache they want to be dealing with when they're contemplating an exit. Um, what are some of the specific things that would make a website non-compliant uh, with the ADA regulations? So one of the first uh, things you want to make sure you have a screen reader. So that way that some, uh, you know, the screen reader can actually read the website to somebody who's visually impaired. Okay. Uh, that's the first thing uh, that they would look at. Next thing is what they call an alt tag, which is a tag on an image. So, you know, like when you hover your cursor over an image, it'll normally say what that image is. Yes. So making sure that there's an alt tag. So when the screen reader is actually reading the screen, it can say image and then say woman gardening. So that way you have the alt tags. Okay. Um, if you have a PDF on your website, the screen reader looks at a PDF like an image. So it can't read it. So you need to convert these PDFs to HTML pages that can be um, read. Uh, you got to be able to adjust the contrast, uh, the font size. If there's videos on your site that have words or sounds, uh, also need to be um, make sure they're closed captioned. So let's just say you have a, a, a video and there's just music playing. It's a marketing video. Um, it would say music playing at the bottom. So it would. Hmm. So all these things need to be, and then you got to make sure that the whole website is can be navigated by your keyboard. So um, you know our team goes in, and that's one of the other audits that we do is we do an assessment to take a look um, and tell people. Um, if their site's compliant, how compliant that is. Because a lot of these attorneys will come through and they'll just pick one or two pieces that are out of compliance. And then they'll file a demand letter or a lawsuit based on those two pieces. And they'll say, can you fix these? And we're like, we can, but you're still out of compliance in these areas. Right. So we let them know what the scope of work is. Conversely, the, the, the good part of this is, um, you know, number one, by making your sites compliant, it does open it up to another 20% of the American public that does have disabilities. So there's a win there. Um, yeah. There's also a $5,000 tax credit uh, that the IRS really? is offering. Okay. Uh, uh, to, so so up to federal tax credit. Yeah, we, we, you know, I, I just looked at our taxes yesterday and it, you know, it's, it's a certain form on there and I'm like, yeah, there it is, $5,000, we're taking it off. I've never heard of that. And I don't think I've actually heard one CPA bring that up. 
you know, we we happened to stumble upon it last year and we started talking about it and, you know, yeah. we're, we're doing it ourselves and got the tax credit and, uh, you know, it, it works. Uh, so, you know, the government is now incentivizing people to do it. And the other thing that we've seen is we've seen people get demand letters and getting sued. They paid us to do the audit and we found out they're not out of compliance at all. So we're able oh, really? to report okay. and send it back and make sure the case goes away. That doesn't happen very often, but we have had that happen a few times. Okay. Well, John, well the other thing I guess I would wrap it up with here, it sounds like, at least on this point, is um, having someone who as knowledgeable as you are, right, who knows these laws, building it right from the get-go, right? Right. <laughs> saves, yeah. saves a lot of these issues versus, you know, finding out after the fact and then having to bring somebody else in, you know, bringing you in. To, to, right. to then shore up the work that it wasn't done right to begin with. Um, well, I want to go back to one of the things that I think you had mentioned in one of our discussions, and that is this idea of, of content scoring. Um, mm-hmm. and, and is there more that more to that that really helps, again, an owner think through their, their social media strategy? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. No, we had talked about in terms of uh, some of the things that that owners want to think about. This this idea of of content scoring, and maybe we covered it all. Was there anything else we wanted to to share in terms of your pearls of wisdom that owners want sure. to consider on that? Sure. Yeah. It's you know. So we we have our own um, you know software that we created that we actually run it through. So we basically would take the page and the URL. We actually run it through our own system, and then we come up with a content score. Um, So that can be on blog posts, you know, your homepage or about us page. So we look at each page individual. And then we also say this is the type of audience that it should be written for. And how is it ranking? How's keyword ranking? So that way we can come through. And sometimes it just takes a few little tweaks and sometimes it's a complete rewrite. Um, But, you know, most of the time they're they're headed in the right direction. It's just, as I said, content is king these days. And how Google, you know, and really now you're talking to Google. You know how Google's reading it because it's yeah. You, and the nice thing is you can actually fix and change things on your website, and then ask Google to re-index your website. So within 24 hours, you can actually have a whole new listing on Google oh, uh, wow, after you make great. changes to your site. Yeah, yeah it's so it sounds like you're really bridging the the connection between the owner there and the web, these engines like a Google to optimize the sites based on the the software that you've written that really fleshes out what's what's optimal. Yeah, and I, and I think kind of what you're saying too is at the end of the day, the business owners don't want to worry about this stuff. No, they don't. They really don't. You know, and there's nothing more embarrassing for a business owner for somebody to say, "Hey, your website's been down," right? You know, or or we're trying to contact you and we can't get a hold of you. You know, I mean that. I mean, as that hits you right in the heart as a business owner. So, yeah. you know, what we do is we make sure that we put a lot of stop gaps in. So, like if you're hosted with GoDaddy, you know, you're calling GoDaddy and going through that whole 800 number trying to figure out, you know, how to change an MX record to get your website back up and running versus, you know, we have things that tell us when things aren't happening and we can actually call the owners and say, Hey, this is what's happening. This is the fixes that we're putting in. Don't worry about it. Uh, It's under control. It'll be done by, you know, five o'clock tonight, something like that. So sure. I think that as as partners, that's what you want, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want someone who's proactive, who we know, you know, is reliable and they're getting the job done in a timely manner so that, you know, the owners can focus on the most important thing in terms of managing their business, growing their business, their clientele, their staff, whatever it might be. 
Um, yeah, they need to do what they do best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in in terms of email marketing, I mean, it is still uh, out there. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, again pearls of wisdom that you would share related to to email marketing campaign? Um, number one, I've been talking a lot about this is don't send out email marketing uh, around holidays. Uh, you know, I, I find, you know, now on social media and, uh, uh, and emails is that a lot of people are using Christmas to, you know, wish you a Merry Christmas that you've never heard from before, yeah. um, just to get their brand exposure. So I, I tend to stay away from those. Um, but try a B testing, try different images, try different subjects. And there's, there's programs out there where you can send out, you know, two different emails to 10% of your audience. And then whichever one has the best open rate, it'll send the rest of the 80% to the, the highest open oh, rate. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, try, you know, we have a certain recommendation on Tuesdays and Thursdays between 10 and 2 to send out emails. Um, typically, because it's not a Monday, it's not a Friday, it's yeah. not in the middle of the week, just off days. Um, but we've also found that sometimes Sunday night at 10 o'clock or 6 a.m. on a Sunday works best, you know, maybe for like financial people who get up early and are want to get a head start on their day. So experimenting with the different times and days that you're sending things out. And Can you, can you contact everybody who sends me emails and tell them not to send it to me on a Monday? Because I feel like I get bombarded <laughs> with emails on Mondays. And it's uh, I actually read something where it said people who are busy. They don't enjoy getting emails on Mondays. And I would say, actually, that resonated with me when I read that article. So I think it's to your point. It's yeah. why Tuesdays and Thursdays probably are the most optimal times. Yeah. And then for us, too, you know, you know, in this day and age, uh, you know, the hard sell is gone. You, you need to be a thought leader. You need to provide expertise. Yeah. You need to provide uh, bits of information for people to keep coming back to you. You know, I think the old adage in sales is that. You know, somebody needs to see you seven or eight times or hear your name seven or eight times for them to want to do business with you. So you, that means that they trust you and they've seen you. So if you know the person who's always got their hand out saying buy from me is the person you don't want to hear from. But the person who's telling you what to expect coming down the road, things you know to watch out for, the person that you're going to eventually want to do business with. So be helpful, be a thought leader, you know, and put yourself out there. I mean, like what you're doing here today. I mean, it's great. Yeah. No, it's just I, one I more value that you add to your clients. Jonathan, I think your, your thoughts are well taken. You mentioned content is king, right? And so thoughtful content that is demonstrating that thought leadership that is adding value uh, to the audience that you're serving uh, is how someone wants to build their social media presence. And so I'm going to pivot to, you know, start to wrap us up here because we had a sure. wonderful conversation. Um, but I call this the ripcord moment. And I ask our guests to always share two action items that our owners can think about doing sooner rather than later so that when they're thinking about their succession event, their their parachute is ready for that jump, their ripcord won't fail. And so from a, a social media uh, marketing standpoint, what are the two action items that you would encourage owners to think about sooner than later uh, to implement? Sure, um, you know, I think one we, we talked about a lot was the ADA compliance. I mean make sure you're ADA compliant. It's just, it's, 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 you know, and I hate scare tactic sales and I hate sounding like that guy, but I mean, we just see it way too often. So make sure you're ADA compliant. Um, and number two right now, um, omni-channel marketing is a big thing. So make sure that you have a presence everywhere. So your website looks good, that you're writing blogs, that you have emails that are going out, that you're on social media, you're on LinkedIn, you know, you're creating videos, you have a chat function on your website. 
do all these things. That increases you know, the opportunity by about 300% versus just one channel alone. Multiple channels, that thought leadership on those channels and making sure you're ADA compliant. I love it. Uh, Jonathan, if someone wanted to get a hold of you from our audience, what's the best way they could reach out to you? Sure. Uh, you can call, email me, john, J-O-N, at socialspicemedia.com. Or you can call the office, uh, 805-482-8312, and ask for me. And we'd we'd love helping people. And even if uh, they had questions and need the direction, we're we're always here to help. No, I love it. John, thanks for your time today, sharing your your pearls of wisdom. Love love what you're doing out there in the community. We'll go ahead and sign off. And uh, appreciate it. Signing off from the ripcord moment, and we'll catch you next time.